You are listening to the Bethel Church Sermon Podcast, a ministry of Bethel Church in Yale, South Dakota. Let's, uh, let's read the Gospel of John, uh, the prologue in the Gospel of John together. Uh, so that's, that's verses 1 through 18. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life life was the light of men. The The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth through Christ Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You know, I was was thinking about all of this... uh, this cancer, COVID, all the, the grief, uh, the host of other things that have been on the plates of, of people around us this week. And I, I was thinking about the, the text that's right here in front of us, right? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Tell me that does not speak to these situations, right? First, in Jesus, there is life, right? We talked about this last week. And just to kind of reiterate, to, to understand what he meant um, when he speaks of life, we need to think in terms of a physical life first. We recognize that that our life has its origin, not in random chance or something like that, but but actually in Jesus, in the Word of God. But but it isn't only our, our physical life that John has in mind here; it's also our spiritual life. At this point, we recognize that that apart from Christ, there is no spiritual life. There, there's only spiritual death. It's only Christ who makes one alive spiritually. Just as all life has its origin in Christ, so does all spiritual life. And then we, we almost, we must also think to, in terms of eternal life, that the life that is, is promised to those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to those who, who believe in Jesus Christ, they have eternal life, meaning nothing will snatch those out of his hand because he gives to them what he promised and he promised them eternal life. I, I think this is tremendous news for those who are facing all sorts of difficult times, that not only do our physical bodies find their, their origin in, in God, but we also recognize that these bodies that, that bear the, the effects of sin in, in several ways, right? We get older and our bodies deteriorate, cancer, sickness. These are things that are all out of our control. But we learn that in Jesus Christ, there's life, meaning that there's spiritual life in Christ. There's, there's the, the power, the penalty, the presence of, of sin that is so pervasive in our world is, is actually 
taken and, and remedied in Christ Jesus and will be complete one day. This is where eternal life is so important, right? Eternal life, right, starts the moment we place our, our faith and, and trust in Christ Jesus. In other words, there, there's good news in the fact that our life here isn't all there is, but the effects of, of sin all find their remedy in Christ. And in one day, for those who are in Christ, who are united to him in faith, there is true eternal life in Christ. The sin and in death don't have the last word. So even in the midst of pain and trials, we see in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our life, right? They, they come against all of this, saying that this isn't all there is, right? All the strength, all the nourishment that we need during those times are found in the person of Jesus Christ. John here in the, in the prologue doesn't only say that in Jesus Christ there's, there's life, but he says that Jesus Christ is the light of man and the darkness has not overcome it. I, I think that this too is, is very comforting. We will we'll spend the rest of our time here really fleshing out why, but just here at the onset, notice <coughs> that light and darkness are, are contrasted. And when these difficult things in life, I mean, just think about it this way. When, when you picture a depressed person or even think about depression, yeah, what do you associate it with, right? You associate it with darkness, right? If you do a Google image search for depression, most of the images are, are very dark. They're often silhouettes. They're black and whites. They're, um, they're sad. You know, it's often, sadness is associated with darkness. And of course, uh, right, evil is associated with, with darkness as well. I, I love the, the verse here. Darkness has not overcome light. Even without really knowing why John is saying the things he's saying here, the way he's saying it, it's really comforting, isn't it? Right, that, that the things we associate with darkness, sin, depression, hurt, pain, all of these dark things in our life don't have the last word because darkness doesn't overcome light, but light overcomes the darkness. It's actually a very beautiful picture. And the, and the question here that I, I think we need to ask at, the, at this point is our understanding of, of this text. Is, is it okay if we substitute our own idea of what darkness means here? Is it correct for me to say that the darkness here equals sin, depression, and hurt, and, and the list goes on and on? I, I like what Don Carson says. He says uh, that it's clear in the prologue that John is talking about the light of creation, the, the reader's mind is, is drawn, as we've seen already, to the beginning of the, to the origin of life. Last week, for instance, right, the opening words of the gospel draw our minds to the opening words of Genesis. And it's, and it's this, that, that here, that John, John isn't talking about a, a dualistic universe in which light and, and darkness or good and evil are equally matched opposites. I, I think Don Carson is, is right here, that, that there's no reason to interpret darkness in any other way than God spoke, there was light, and before there was light, there was the absence of light, and John's point here is clear. <coughs> this is how it was when, when Jesus came into the world. It, it was like that grand moment in the creation narrative when God spoke and there was light and the darkness that prevailed was no more. That's how significant the, the coming of Jesus Christ was, that, that light coming into the universe dispelled the darkness. And here is the person of Jesus Christ. But of course, uh, the, the, most of the world didn't see that. This is John's point here. Carson goes on to say that any reader who has entered into a sustained dialogue with Christians, and more importantly, any reader who has read through the gospel of John once and is now rereading it, could not fail to see in verse five an anticipation of that light-darkness duality that dominates much of the rest of the book. When John here is saying that the darkness has not overcome the light, he's hinting at, one, first of all, the significance of Jesus taking on flesh and dwelling among us. He does that by drawing our attention back to the creation account. 
right? That it's just a huge event. Two, we see this anticipation that this light, Jesus, will overcome darkness. In the rest of the book, right, we see that being played out, how Jesus Christ is his importance of, of coming into the world. Let's just look at this anticipation for a moment and see that if we're really right in, in our understanding, right, that the believers gets this, this hope here, that the darkness, evil, depression, and all those things don't prevail. So let's just take it and look at this contrast here for a minute. Flip ahead to chapter three, just chapter three, verse 16. Uh, I remember one teacher I had one time saying that, that John is interesting and that he often referred, uh, he often had commentary on what Jesus said. I remember this teacher saying that, uh, that although verses 16 and 21 were actually, um, were usually attributed to, to Jesus, um, that 16 through 21 were actually, uh, John's commentary on Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus uh, that had just taken, taken place. And if you, if you read it and ignore that verses 16 through 21 are in red, it, it's actually very probable that, that that's what's happening here. In any case, it's, it's God's word. It, it doesn't really matter that much. But starting in verse 16, we read this. For God so loved the world that, the, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his own son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one of the one and only son of God. Here's verse 19 in what I want you to see. And, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So here, John is speaking of, of Jesus coming into the world, like right into the like the prologue that we read, and he says that Jesus came so that people might be saved. But in then verse 19, Jesus came into the world. This is huge. He came into the world to do what we could not do for ourselves, to save us. And, you know, we all deserve condemnation, but Jesus didn't come for that. He didn't come to give us what we deserve. He came to save those who would believe in him and, and what happened, right? People, did, did people see the significance of Jesus coming into the world? Did they see the significance of the, of the light? Uh, no. Instead, they, they cling to darkness and they did this by loving their own wickedness. Here, here we see this, this dualism that we're talking about, the significance of Jesus coming into the world that, that John points out right at the onset, but saying even though this darkness would not win in the end, it, it would not overcome the light, people still love the darkness. Isn't that about one of the, the saddest things that you heard? As I was uh, writing this, I saw a story on, on Kelloland, and you can go look it up. It's about a church in, in downtown Sioux Falls that put up a, a 10 foot by 15 foot rainbow uh, colored flag that is apparently hard to miss. And, and they did this uh, to make a, a big statement. The, the pastor said that the purpose of the flag was to let everybody know that they were welcome in their church, thinking of the LGBTQ community. And they wanted them to know that, that they were loved, that the church isn't there to, to change them. And as a child of God, uh, they're loved just as they are. In other words, and this isn't the article, but the, the church is, is celebrating people as they are, sinful lifestyles and all. I, I have no problem with saying that all people are, are welcome uh, to the church. And I hope that we would be welcoming to anyone that comes in the doors of, of Bethel Church. But to say that we will celebrate your sinful lifestyle with you um, 
and that we're not going to try to change you is anti-gospel and therefore anti-Christian. The, the fact is the gospel changes people. This is the point of Jesus coming, to, to save, not condemn. But, but people love darkness. They love their sinful deeds, their wickedness. And in our day, we see this so clearly, and we see examples of it all around, and we even see it in examples of so-called churches. Look at chapter 8 and verse 12. Here what Jesus says is a little bit more difficult, I think, but, it, but it's worth looking at here because we see the, the contrast between light and darkness. It's important to, to understand that when we read verse 12, it's in the context of the, the Feast of Tabernacles in which four huge lamps were lit in the temple court and there was a, a great celebration that took place under that, that light. In fact, their glow was something that could be seen throughout Jerusalem and, it, and it's underneath that glow from the, the temple court that Jesus declared himself to be the light of the world here. I love how, how the words light and, and life are connected. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. We, we talked about <clears throat> what Jesus means by life last time. Certainly he isn't speaking of physical life here, but something more profound, he is speaking of spiritual life, eternal life. That, that phrase, light of life, should be uh, bring our, our thoughts back to, to Psalm 23, where the, the shepherd is, is so satisfying that the sheep lies down in green pastures. Or in particular, a later line in the, in the same Psalm where we are told that even Though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. There, there's something to be said about, a, about life with the good shepherd who is there walking us through the, the darkest moments of our life. When John 8, 12, in John 8, 12 here, when Jesus speaks of, of darkness, he, he does not mean that whoever follows Jesus will not sin. Uh, that isn't the, the hope that Jesus is offering. The, the hope that Jesus is is offering here is that the, the light is light in the midst of the darkness. In other words, there are things about our lives that are dark, right? Sadness, sickness, pain, anxiety, depression, and the list goes on and on. Jesus is the light of the world and the light dispels darkness just as the light from the temple court during Jesus' time dispelled the darkness and people could see its glow. Jesus here is saying, in the, midst of, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this cold world, I am that light. Look at John 12, uh, starting in, in verse 27. Here, Jesus says that, that he came for the purpose of, of being lifted up or to, to die. And the crowds understood this. They, they say in, in verse 34 that the law says that the Messiah will live forever. So there's a question is, how then can Jesus die? He says he's going to die, but the, the, the Messiah is supposed to live forever. Uh, it's interesting here that Jesus doesn't take the opportunity to prove that he indeed will live forever, but challenges the people to believe in him based on what they already know of him. He says, the light is among you a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. Uh, the ones who walk in the darkness does not know where he is going. Well, you have light, believe in the light that you may be sons of the light. The, the contrast here is, is clear. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the light, and as the light, he will guide us to, to certainty and not let us down. The, the good shepherd cares for his sheep, but without Christ, one is left to, to wander in the darkness. One is lost in the, in the phrase here, lest the darkness overtake you. I mean, that's scary, right? The one that, that wanders through life without the light of Christ runs the risk of being lost forever. 
in, in utter darkness. That there's something important that, that we shouldn't miss here about light and darkness contrasted, and, and that is one of salvation, right? Come to the light for salvation. Believe in Jesus for the salvation of your soul. The alternative is, is to be lost in eternal darkness and destruction. Uh, a few verses later, starting in verse 44, Jesus says, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me and he And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For if I, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world, the one who rejects me does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Certainly from these verses, the light darkness contrasts here, um, certainly from from these verses, that that light darkness contrast makes remaining in the darkness a repulsive option, something that that we need uh, to be saved from. And salvation is only found in believing in Jesus. This is why He came to save us from this darkness. It, it should be said here. And, and Jesus alludes to it that, that when he says that he didn't come to be the judge, the, the fact is he could have, right? The, the words, um, the world's deeds are, are evil. At, at this point, the people had no excuse. They deserved, <clears throat> they deserved judgment. But the, the fact that Jesus came into the world was nothing more than, than God's grace, the, the light-darkness contrast here is more than a, a good-evil duality. It, it's, that, it's that, but it, it's much more. It, it's salvation from the coming judgment. Jesus is saying that the one who rejects him, the one who does not believe and, and trust him, will be judged. And this is, this is darkness. If you go back to, to chapter 9, uh, here... Jesus and the disciples see a man that has been born blind. And the disciples uh, asked, who sinned that this man was born blind? And Jesus said that it wasn't the man's sin or the parents of the man's purpose, but the purpose of the man was born blind is that God's work might be displayed in him. Jesus then declares himself to be the light of the world and then heals the man of his blindness. Although the, the text doesn't explicitly have the, the light-darkness contrast, it's pretty clear. Since those are who are blind are in darkness, right? Notice not only was this man blind, but he had always been in the dark. He was born that way. He knew nothing else. And this is why Jesus said that he is the light of the world. He gives light to those who are in darkness. The fact is there are a lot of people that are walking in darkness. We talked about this last week a little bit, spiritual death, and they don't even realize it. It's natural for them. What we have already seen is that, that people love darkness because their, their deeds are evil. Um, this, is, this is such an important thing uh, to recognize that, that here uh, Jesus is walking up to this guy and he's, and he's saying, you know, this guy was, was born blind. He's in darkness so that God's word, God's work might be displayed in him. I wonder how many people around us are are in darkness. They're in, in danger of 
uh, judgment and they're, they're blind. They, they can't see anything and they need the light of Jesus Christ in their life. I, I think there's a, another dimension here that we need to grasp when it comes to Jesus being the, the light of the world. And that is how this light works in the life of the believer. For instance, in John 5, 35, we see that John the Baptist is called light right here. here we, uh, he was a, a burning light and a shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Now, compare that to what we read in the prologue here, starting in verse 6. We start reading about John. We read that, that he came to bear witness about the light, right? The light is Jesus. And then in, in verse 8, we clearly are told that John was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So what do we make about this, right? Is he the light or, or not? I, I would suggest that the reason that Jesus says that John, in John 5, that John was the light, is that he uh, reflected the light that he was bearing witness to. It wasn't that he was light in and of himself. It was that he was a reflection of the one true light of the world. This isn't the only only the case with John the Baptist. It's the same for, for you and I as well. In, in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says of those who believe in him, you are the light of the world. Uh, the interesting thing about that statement is that Jesus isn't saying that you should be the light of the world, right? We usually read that statement like it's a command. We read it like it's a, a statement of, of law, do this and, and live, you go and, and be the light. And if you're not being the light, then you need to be the light. But that isn't what Jesus is saying. He, he is saying that, that Christians are the light of the world. If there's a command in here anywhere, it's, it's to let your light shine. Be what you are. Uh, my, my question here is, how can Jesus say that Christians are the light of the world when he himself is the light of the world? Uh, the reason is that Christians reflect the light of Christ to the world around them. So that people, when they see us, they see our good works, then they give glory to our Father who is in heaven, right? That's just a couple verses down from that in, in Matthew 5. In other words, the light shines, not so our own goodness, not so our own greatness, but on the greatness of the one who came into the world to save us, right? We, we don't, our light doesn't shine on ourselves. It, it reflects to him. Paul says this, this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, God works in the life of those who are his to give light and that light points others to the true light, which is Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with, with something uh, to think about a little bit here. Something that uh, I, I, I hope helps take a look at our own, our, our own heart uh, for a moment. Let's just ask this question. Uh, is Jesus your light? Um, James Boyce asked that question. Uh, there's another way to ask it, right? Does the, does the world around you see the light of Jesus in you, right? Is Jesus your light? Is your light shining? Uh, is your light reflecting his light back to him, right? Well, I like how uh, James Boyce, um, I, I like how he answers that question. He says, how do you know uh, that you're, you're letting your light shine? Well, he says, well, light does what light always does. First, light puts confusion to flight. Uh, this is the picture of the, the opening chapters of, of Genesis, right? There was chaos 
the, the earth was, was formless. It was void. And God said, let there be light. And light dispelled the darkness and brought forth uh, life and order. The point here is that if Jesus is your light, he dispels darkness in your life by giving order to your life. In other words, your life starts to revolve uh, around him. Second, the light of, of Jesus Christ in your life is, is revealing. In other words, the light penetrates the darkness and, and shows us what has been there previously that had been hidden. Uh, we see our, our heart for what it is. We see our, our own sin with a sense of realism. I'm not talking about other people's sin. I mean, that's easy to spot. I'm talking about our own. We, we say with Isaiah, right? Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. Peter was a good example of this too. He, he saw Jesus, who he was, and he says, get away from me, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Peter, uh, Paul called himself the worst of sinners. Uh, the light reveals it leads us uh, to repentance. When we start uh, seeing ourselves for who we are, when we start seeing our own uh, corruption in the light of Jesus Christ starts revealing those things in our life, right? Light does what it always does. Third, if, if Jesus is our light, he is our guide in the midst of darkness. He's our guide in the midst of darkness. Light guides us, right? The word is a, a lamp into our feet. There's no doubt that the, that the world we live in is a dark place. But when Jesus Christ is our light, we find true freedom as the, the light guides us. Just think about the words of that, the popular hymn by Charles Wesley, And Can It Be? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night, right? Darkness here is the picture. In nature's night, spiritual death, right? Thine eye diffused a quickening ray, light. I woke the dungeon, the dark dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Notice the, the connection here between the, the light of, of Jesus in the darkness uh, of our sin, the freedom that we have in Christ. And then we are able to go and, and follow Christ because the dark dungeon is now flamed with light and we see Christ and we're able to, to follow him before we weren't right? We see, the, we see Christ for who he is because of the, the, the amazingness of, of the gospel. I, I love the fact that uh, we're going to sing together now um, Amazing Grace because really Amazing Grace is, is, is about the gospel of Jesus Christ coming into our life. And in that moment, that, that quickening ray where the, the dungeon, the darkness, we, all of a sudden we, we recognized where we were and we see clearly and we see Christ. And before he were blind to him, like Second uh, Corinthians 4 says, there was a veil over our eyes. We we're, we're so blind, we couldn't see. Now we see Christ. Now we see the, the truth, the beauty of the gospel and we're able to, to stand up, go and, and follow him. Oh, the amazing grace that it is. What a, what a remarkable thing. Um, so let's, let's pray together. And I just want you to, to remember those things, you know, just that is Jesus Christ your light because light does what light always does. Light dispels darkness. It gives, it gives order to, to chaos. It, it, it reveals things about our life and then it, it, it is, it guides us. Um, so let's pray. Our heavenly father, we, we come to you and we thank you so much for 
your word here that um, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome Jesus. There, there's such anticipation here in, in verse five for the, the rest of the book um, to show us who, who Jesus is. Um, Lord, and I, and I pray that that if there are those that are that are listening to this, that are going through this study and they don't see Jesus, they're still in, in darkness. Lord, I, I pray that you would open their eyes, allow them to see the, the truth of Jesus Christ, that, that the gospel would just illuminate their, their understanding, that they'd be able to see him, to see the gospel for what it is, and turn and, and follow him. Lord, we pray that, that you would do that. Lord, we ask that you would Help us as as believers, as we uh, continue to evaluate our, our own life and our own walk and how our life revolves around Jesus Christ, how the, the light uh, of Jesus Christ gives his order to our life, how, it re- how he reveals uh, sin in our life and, and how we're uh, actively following Jesus Christ, how he is our guide in our life. Lord, I, I pray that you would take and use this message in, a, in an amazing way. I pray that you would use your word in the lives of people uh, to glorify Jesus Christ. Use it, uh, make us into people that bear witness to the light, that, that point people to Jesus Christ, that they might find, that they might find uh, life in his name. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. I really, uh, I really appreciate you you tuning in and uh, listening. I'm sorry we couldn't be together and, and worship together, but uh, we're looking forward to next week and, and planning that service. So, uh, just continue to to pray for that. Uh, pray for one another. Uh, there's a number of people in our, our church who are struggling in in different ways. Uh, just uh, pray for them. Uh, encourage them. Uh, encourage one another. Uh, just love uh, love on one another you know being socially distant and careful doesn't mean we don't we don't care for one another and uh i think it's it's hard these days to to know how to do that but um let's let's try this week um so have a have a wonderful week um thank you all for tuning in thank you for listening to this sermon resource from bethelmbchurch.org If you'd like to learn more about Bethel Church or find other resources, please visit our website at BethelMBChurch.org. Bethel Church exists to bring glory to God by promoting the joyful worship of Jesus Christ both here and abroad.